0: If you're ready to finally start putting the pieces together and get a head start on your sober curious journey, you've got to get in my program, Awaken Sober Living. The secret sauce that really brings it all together is asking the right questions and then actually answering them, and then we go a little bit deeper. So if you're over the trap of trying to figure it out with moderation and stopping and starting all the time, this is the space for you to get a whole new perspective and make space for something new to come through. And that something new is more of you. There will be a link right here in the show notes for you to go on over and get right in there. You can also just go to visit my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, and we will get going. I'll see you on the inside. I'll be there for you every step of the way. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days or ever making excuses, now I help women just like you from around the world do the same with my one-on-one private coaching program. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to getting alcohol out of your way that breaks all the rules, life-enhancing tools that make not drinking exciting and joyful, and the profound and sacred journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. This show is not a substitution for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a medical professional if your alcohol consumption is at risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful listeners. It's Mary Wagstaff. I'm so glad you're here. It's a beautiful day. Another day to be alive. Life is happening now. Life is now. Let's just take a big breath together just to come into this moment. And a nice exhale through the mouth. (sighs) Literally one pause of one breath, feeling the breath move in your body, and then you can take two more for yourself. Yeah, just get present for a moment. You deserve it. You just deserve this like, okay, pause. I promise you do, and it will change everything. There's a thought that I've been using and thinking about that I really want you to cultivate. Remember what you love and you will remember who you are. Remember what you love and you will remember who you are. So you might think that you love alcohol, but alcohol is a conditioned and learned behavior. And because of its nature and its chemical reward, it is something that any human body and human mind with frequency and duration would become accustomed to and desire or have, you know, cravings or thoughts about. So your love for alcohol is not innate, in you. But I want you to think back and you could even make a list of this. This would be like just a nice little thing to do in the morning with your tea or your coffee is to make a list of all the things that you've like loved whether it was like watching butterflies when you were little or you know maybe you used to do something with your siblings or swing, go swimming, play sports, like all the things from the time you were little all the way up until now. Like, what do you love? I've been looking at Venus as the morning star right out my window. And I love taking a moment to look at the stars. I love that. Okay. And this is how you remember who you are underneath all of this other conditioning, all of this other learned behavior. So last week, I alluded to this idea of the priestess path and my path of devotion, but I just wanted to read you a post that I put um, on Instagram, and I've been on there a little bit more, just connecting with more people. So if you're around there, you can look for me there, Mary Wagstaff Coaching. And I had started the post with this, remember what you love and you will remember who you are. From as early as I can remember, I loved the act of devotion through singing, dancing, prayer, and communing with nature, all of them being one and the same. Growing up in the Catholic Church, I was indoctrinated into the idea that the altar was meant for men. I didn't know then that I would come from a lineage of people who worshipped the goddess. After many years of following my heart along the path of devotion through bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of love to the beloved, it's through chanting and singing and just devotion and prayer, a door I didn't even know existed by mind, yet by heart opened to me. And this was the path of the priestess. It is a path that has called me home and awoke me in everything I was missing in my human experience." With deep wounding of this word, I find myself still shy to claim this as my truth. However, it was the essence of my awakening from alcohol and is the foundation of everything I do with my clients, sisterhood, and loved ones. It is a great injustice to the goddess herself for me to not rightfully claim my path as devotee of the beloved as priestess. It is a sacred vow. It is why I am here to help awaken the light within those who have misplaced theirs. A life led by spirit is a life of wholeness and oneness. Thank you for witnessing me. And thank you to all of my mentors and lineage and family of the seen and unseen and to the brave women and men supporting each other. You know you are always held in the arms of the sacred mother. And so What is priestess? Priestess to me is a woman who is holy and whole unto herself, who is living a life of self-authority and a life of devotion, devotion to the goddess, God, goddess, source, beloved as a sacred act of everything I do as much as humanly possible Um, devoted to my sisterhood and, and community um, supporting one another and devoted to the self devoted to self-development and self inquiry through really deep personal responsibility and taking responsibility for my own emotions, feelings, um, Thoughts and actions, and and through through the act of deep self inquiry, and it has been a natural inclination of mine since I was young to to guide and to facilitate and to teach um, and hold space for you know kind of ceremony, and um, and it wasn't until. You know, really, I started teaching yoga, but then I, and then I saw my mentor hold and host sacred space. And I was teaching, of course, meditation and already, I was already doing all of the things, but it was in this deeper introspective look of finding the reflection of the goddess within the awakening of the divine feminine. And because that wasn't mirrored in my world, I didn't know that a woman, could hold space in this way. And there are, you know, female ministers um, in other, you know, um, spiritual faith traditions. And mine is a universal interfaith tradition. Um, I believe all gods are one God. And, um, you know, the wonder and awe of nature is really what connects us to that, to those mysteries. But it is really my work um, to help and guide and awaken that inner knowing in the other, um, and to help them see the sacredness of their of their own life as a gift, um, and that when we lead from that place, then we can add in the achievement part, you know, as a bonus, but that it's just in the being that it's already done, right? It's just in the gift of what is that it's already been done, you know, the miracle part of it. So someday it is my dream to have a sacred space, temple (laughs) um, without pews where there is just celebration and dance and lots of fun and you know, where we can come together, um, and to do deep ritual as well. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm initiating myself in all sorts of ways all of the time and every trigger, every time that my expectations and my conditions for life, aren't met it's an oppor- it's it's an another initiation right it's another initiation to see how i can grow to see the bandwidth and my capacity for for flexibility for change for seeing things from a new lens and it doesn't happen instantly right but then I, there's like this deep bow of reverence to source to the universe of like thank you for this lesson right because it's it's just going to make my experience here and this in this timeline richer it's going to make my ability to express to you more, um, to be kinder and, and, and less reactive to the people that I love the most. And, you know, to just like, let it be second nature, just, you know, yeah, everything is God. Everything is, you know, that concept of like, it's already been done that you can just relax. Like there's, <sighs> but we have human brains and they're hard to manage. And, um, Especially when there's a lot of things out of our control, or you know, the, this idea of uncertainty. You know, I love that concept. It's like so silly. Uncertainty, like it's all always uncertain, unless you literally, even if you never leave your house. Um, but you can try to control your your world, but but fear doesn't keep you safe, right? fear doesn't keep you safe. Being prepared, being mentally flexible, having emotional agility is what's going to really protect you. Being drunk, that definitely doesn't keep you safe. (laughs) Right? Um, Like, I want to be ready. I want to be clear. I want to be sharp. I want to be limber. I want to be ready to go if shit hits the fan, whatever that means but I'm kind of a survivalist too in some ways. But I do I I mean I I do have an innate trust. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you um that it is it is my humbled honor to to present this information through the lens of the initiate as a, as a, as a priestess and I know that that word is just not even you know, it's not even a thing in our culture, but from my Irish heritage and Celtic heritage the the women the medicine women and the wise women the the women the the people in the community that they used to go to were the women they were the elders they were the seers they were the the intuitive mystics right they had the herbs they had the remedies they could they had the intuition the connection they were the givers of life and They were the priestesses and the witches and I, my, my great grandmother my grandmother and my mother, um, very much, um, performed a lot of sorcery. (laughs) Um, and my grandmother was, uh, also a devotee of the beloved through the lens of, of Catholicism, but my grandmother was a great witch and, um, very much a priestess of many and, um, My mother, too, very much holding a a sacred container for people to feel safe in. So, yeah, it's definitely um, part of my sacred lineage. So with that, today, and I won't keep you for too long, we're going to talk about step number eight, which is generating evidence to the contrary of all of your beliefs about alcohol. So generating evidence in your world to your favor. And we're going to talk about a couple ways that you, you know, you already have evidence. So we can look for evidence in the outer world, like people, things that people are doing that don't involve alcohol. And I suggest that you do that too, because, you know, the confirmation bias is like everyone drinks, right? Like that's the story. Drinking is everywhere. And that's true too, but you could, but But it's not like I I know plenty of people that don't drink. I do plenty of things where alcohol is not involved. And then if you start to like look for people not drinking, you'll see that too. But I really want you to cultivate this from the inside out. So generating evidence in your favor. um, And first, what you're going to look at is what are your non-negotiables around alcohol? Now, you might not have many or any. And that's okay. And then I'm just going to have you pick a value, something that's important to you or where you'll maybe drink less. So what are your non-negotiables when it comes to alcohol? What's one thing, at least one thing that you won't do when you've been drinking? Um, For a lot of people, that's, you know, maybe movement, driving, working, And then I want you to go three whys deep. I want you to ask yourself why, and then why to that answer, why to that answer. And why until you um, find a value, find where it's really juicy. So, you know, some of these are like, this is because it's an integrity, you know, because it's, um, the value is... Compassion, integrity, responsibility. And then I want you to use that reason to build your belief in every other area of your life where it feels impossible to not drink. So if I don't drink and drive because I want to be responsible. To the strangers, to the people, to myself, to the other people that I'm with, why wouldn't I want that in every other area, right? So I really want you to infuse that into this is important in every other area, right? I want to be responsible, of course, when I'm with my children, when I'm at work, when I'm when I'm home. Right. I want to, I want to be able to be responsible. I want to be able to respond to an emergency. So whatever it is, start to cultivate that same awareness in every other area of your life. Cause the chances are it's like, why would you want to be numb and checked out to these other areas of your life? Right. So you don't have to believe it under a hundred percent, but feel into the possibility of it. Like, what if I led these situations, these other times when I do drink, with this same value, okay? And then you're going to start to generate evidence. So you already have evidence that you can live life, you know, without alcohol. It's like you get up in the morning, you walk the dog, you know, it's like um someone was telling me that there's like this beautiful place that they love to watch the sunset. And they walk there in the morning without drinking. But in the evening, it's like they couldn't imagine, you know, sitting there without the alcohol. And it's like, But you already do it in the morning, so it's really no different in the evening. The circumstances are totally the same, right? But the buildup of the pressure of alcohol is at least 50% of why you need to relax at the end of the day. (laughs) Once that's gone, once the desire for alcohol is reduced and then gone, that need to, quote, unquote, relax at the end of the day becomes at least 50% less and then we just coach around you know the other thoughts that are creating stress for you because stress isn't a circumstance it's created by your thinking um, in most scenarios unless you know there's there's you know very traumatic triggering circumstances of course. So these these beliefs that you already believe this value they have a frequency that is going to support change, motivation and inspire growth. This is taking action from your higher self. So for whatever reason in this area there is a deeper part of you, a part of your value system that is leading the way already. And you might you know if it's like, "Oh, it's because I would get in trouble." But why is that important? So just keep thinking this so many times that it hurts your brain because a belief is just a thought that you think over and over and over and over and over over again. So just keep thinking this thought in every single area. Let that start to fuel your belief goal because you already believe it. It is already important to you. And so the other... um, so generating evidence, and you can find this. And you're starting with your non-negotiables around alcohol. And like I said, if you don't have any non-negotiables, um, I'm not laughing at you. I didn't have very many. So, but a lot of people don't. It's like, yeah, I've drank at work. I've, um, I've drank everywhere pretty much. Find something that is important to you. Find something where you're like, drink less. Or a time maybe when you haven't drank and why or where you you know wouldn't drink often, like some people will have a drink when they go out to lunch or something like that, but it's not happening often at work, like why you're not drunk at work, right? um and and then ask yourself why? And then the other um way you're gonna generate evidence that you already have for to the contrary of your beliefs around alcohol is situations that you that you also respond to without alcohol so um Times in your life where you used to drink regularly that you don't anymore. So habitual times where you used to regularly drink that you don't anymore and how for for whatever reason that's naturally fallen away because not all urges and triggers are created the same. And I guarantee you already have evidence for a time when you used to drink regularly And you don't, maybe you used to work at a restaurant and you would drink while you were working and then you started an office job and you don't drink anymore, right? Or maybe you used to do brunch on Sunday mornings and then you realized, you know, with mimosas and then you realized it just like ruined your Sundays. And so you stopped doing that. So find, and I'm going to go through these lists, this list of different types of urges. And evidence that you already have for not drinking in those situations. So habitual, regularly drinking that is second nature. So a time when you used to drink, or maybe, you know, you you go out to um, to happy hour, but you have something really important to do. That is quote unquote important to you to do afterwards. Like you have to drive to pick up the kids. So it's easy for you to refrain from alcohol, right? And you, and you don't. So habitual drinking. Where have you changed that behavior? Or um, where, where that habitual drinking has become less in some areas. Coping. So ways that you use alcohol as a process for, you know, a tool for processing or suppressing emotion. So think about ways that you process emotions without alcohol. Some people are really good at um you know being kind of a, a leader when when, you know, disaster strikes, right? When there's like, something that gets changed and off course, and some people like step up to the plate, and they're like, I've got this. And other people are like, I need a drink, right? So where are you good at processing emotions where you don't need a drink? And what emotions are those? Or when you can, when you're like, super excited and happy, and you don't need more alcohol to just be super excited and happy. Like maybe you go to your kids' sporting events and you're just like in it or you watch sports and um, just being in that enthusiasm. It doesn't lead to drinking, right? You don't have that association. So where do you process or experience emotion without needing a drink? And then what situational events do does drinking occur at that you don't that you don't drink at right um maybe again uh, a sporting event maybe um i've heard of Clients that um, dance, they go out and they, they salsa dance. And so they never would drink in that situation or networking. They want to be on their game. So they refrain from alcohol at a networking event. So what special situational occasions don't you drink at? Don't you have the need to drink at where alcohol is present? And why? That's going to, again, bring you back to your values and then nostalgia, fond memories you experience through the senses. What are some of your favorite memories that don't involve drinking? My favorite memories are sitting with my grandma and holding her hand. And I used to rub her feet when I was little. And I used to go to bingo with her. And I never drank at any of those scenarios. I didn't really drink much with my grandma until later in life. She was a drinker at some point, but then she really stopped drinking. But um so that beautiful nostalgia and some of the most beautiful memories like your maybe your a wedding, your children's wedding. And then what do you want to remember in the future about special occasions? Your loved ones, special events, Christmases, New Year's, birthdays. How do you want to remember those? What do you want your heightened senses to be? Think about your most memorable birthday. Did it involve alcohol? It may have. And then this next one ties a little bit into coping, but nihilism and self-sabotage. So this is an urge of just screw it and when you're not in alignment with your higher self. But think of a time when you've been in deep despair and alcohol wasn't the answer right? You knew it wasn't the answer. When you were maybe on bending knee and you were praying, or you just wanted to curl up in a ball and watch a movie, or you just needed to talk to someone. And then the last one is life or trauma, life events or trauma that you haven't yet experienced. So you won't know this, but This is another kind of coping time, but think about a time that you experienced something that felt very traumatic for you and you didn't turn to alcohol. And how do you want to show up for really big events in your life? Do you want to check out? Do you want to not process them? Do you want to bury them? Or do you want to feel through them? move through them be present for them support the people around you support yourself with wholeness and wellness and radiance and the reason that and that I'm having you think forward a little bit too is so that you can you know kind of see yourself into a situation that doesn't feel good the unexpected the unimaginable and how you wanna show up with your belief goal. So there's a lot of ways to generate evidence. And then this week, what I really want you to do is look at your non-negotiables, apply that value to other areas of your life and you're going to generate more evidence. So try it for every single area. So like I said, if you're, if you're, let's just keep with the the example responsibility. If your example is responsibility, I want you to use that for why it would work at five o'clock when you're cooking dinner. In case I need to take anyone to the emergency room, right? So I can get as much, utilize my evening as much as possible tonight. So I can be present for my children and helping them with their homework. So I can honor my vow and my word to myself, right? Like that value will apply to anything if you allow it. And then you're going to get through it. And you're going to have more evidence that, wow, that worked. That was better. I actually had an amazing evening. And you're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to be like, Woohoo. I'm feeling amazing. And then I'm going to put this list of these urges, urge types in the show notes, but I want you to go through them also and at least give yourself one example of each of either how it's changed, like a way that you used to respond to these things with alcohol and you don't anymore, or ways that you, you know, naturally just haven't done that because you're in alignment with your values, you're in alignment with your higher self. And whether or not you think it might be of an external factor, it doesn't matter because it has to deep down like you're still making the choice. All right. Have an amazing week. If you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the five-star review with what you love about the show. If a life of deeper self-mastery and feminine embodiment is calling you, but alcohol is the one constant in your way, I want to invite you to check out my one-on-one coaching program. It's your opportunity to apply the tools and principles from the show to your life one step at a time. Together, we create the safe and sacred container to explore the habit of alcohol, the power of choice, and awaken your inner light. Schedule a complimentary alignment session where I will help you uncover the next best step for you on your journey of discovering what's possible on the other side of alcohol. Follow the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com. I can't.